Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. Today, we're going to dive into a new series that I really think is perfectly designed to launch your year off on a whole new trajectory, to take you to a whole new place. Listen, whenever the new year comes, we're all making decisions. We're all wanting to get past where we are. We're all wanting to move farther forward than we did last year, and I want to give you the tools to do it. You know, today I'm going to be talking about identifying your greatest limitation. Now, that's not the name of the series, but that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I'm going to help you Identify without beating yourself up what your greatest limitation is to actually experiencing life to its fullest, to actually experiencing a life that glorifies God and that manifests His power in your life. So listen, don't go away. Get ready. Get your pens. Get your paper. Get your Bible because we're going to go on a journey together. I'll be right back. I've got a great free download for you this month. The attitude that always we have. All you've got to do to get this free message is click right there on the right-hand top side of your screen, and you can get it right now in your inbox. This new series is just one of my favorite topics because I am telling you, this gives you tools. This gives you know-how. This gives you information. This puts it within your reach to be able to overcome some of your greatest limitations without having to find out what all is wrong with you. And that's not the point here. You want to talk about identifying your greatest limitation. I'm not talking about we're going to get introspective. We're going to dig everything out. But here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being able to discover the truth truth about how to move past your present boundaries. And just in doing that and applying that, you'll overcome your greatest limitations. This series is called Paradigms, Perspectives, and the Glory of God. And so the limitation in your life is the one that's affecting your capacity to see and to experience the glory of God. Now, one of the questions is, do you want to see and receive and experience the glory of God this life? Now, remember, you know, the glory of God. And according to your background, this could mean a lot of things to you. You know, I went to churches back in the in the 70s where, you know, everybody was wanting to see a cloud appear in the room, like the cloud that, that shadowed the children of Israel through the desert. Everybody wanted to see some type of physical manifestation, some type of supernatural phenomenon as the glory of God. So how you define the glory of God has a big factor on whether or not you will ever see and experience the glory of God in your life. You know, the glory of God, many of you heard me talk about this a lot. The glory of God is this incredibly inclusive word that has this vast, vast meaning and nuances to its meaning. Because, you know, we know about the glory of God from the perspective of of his greatness, of, of his splendor, of his brilliance. You know, when Jesus would work a miracle, the glory of God was being manifest because the people were seeing something that was a phenomenon to them. It was a message and a, a magnitude of God's presence and God's expression and God's love that really was not common. But what's interesting about the concept of the glory of God, and some of you heard me talk about this, 
And this, the glory of God, and I'll never forget the first time I saw this, and this was way, way back years ago, because those of you who know me know I've been, I've been teaching about the glory of God for at least 25 years. And when you're reading through all of these pages of definitions of what the word glory means, and the word glory comes from the Greek word doxa. The word doxa is where we get the, the term doxology. And if you go to a high church, you know, a, a downtown church, they'll sing the doxology at the end of the service. The amen, amen. And the choir sings, and, and that's supposed to represent the glory of God, this incredible song that people sing. But when you get down to the core meaning of the glory of God, the glory of God in a way that we can grasp and understand, is basically this. It's the view, the opinion, and the reality. Now, many of you have heard me talk about this over the years, but I promise you in this series, I'm going to be talking to you about it in ways that you probably have never heard me talk about it, and in ways that are going to put this within your reach. It's going to open your understanding about the glory of God. You see, when Jesus healed a sick person, the reason the glory of God was being manifested is because God's view and opinion and reality was being manifest. In other words, it wasn't God's reality. It wasn't God's opinion that people should be sick. God didn't want people sick. God didn't want people broke. God did not want people in sin. God did not want people's lives being destroyed. And so when Jesus ministered to people in a way that expressed God's view of mankind and how God related to mankind and his opinion about mankind, then what we got to see was the reality. And you start realizing that anything that we see where the will of God in other words, what God accomplished through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, all the promises of God being ours, being delivered from all the curses of God, anytime that is not happening in our life, we are not functioning in reality or not in God's reality. And so we want to function in God's reality. And honestly, we don't want to walk around under a strain trying to make God's reality come to pass. We want to have our blind eyes open so that we perceive God's reality because you believe what you perceive. And if you don't perceive something to be true, even if it is true, you will not benefit from it. It will not help you. It will not bring quality to your life. So one of the things that I want to have happen as we go through this series is I want you to be able to perceive God's reality in every situation and participate in his reality instead of the reality that you've been participating in. Now, in this series, you're going to discover the number one thing that's preventing you from seeing the glory of God. You're going to discover what you can do about it, and you're not going to beat yourself up. You're not going to be finding fault. But I'll tell you something that's wonderful you're going to discover in this series. You're going to discover the number one foundational attitude that is absolutely essential for you to see the glory of God. You know, when we come to Jesus, there are some foundational attitudes that if they are present, then our journey with God really is easy and light. The trajectory for our entire Christian life is set. But when we do not have the foundational attitudes to relate to God, we can never fully see 
what his real view and opinion is. We can never see and experience how God really wants us to live, how God really wants us to experience life. Now, one of the things we're going to have to do, and we're going to do this today, is we're going to identify the thing that you trust the most. Now, let's start out by talking a little bit about a paradigm. A paradigm is a model or a pattern that we set up in our mind. In other words, we have a model or a thought or an idea about how something should be. And therefore, through this lens, or through this model that we hold in our mind, through this worldview, we look out at the world around us and we look at the people around us. We look at the circumstances of our lives and we are affected by this paradigm that we hold, by this perspective, by this worldview. Here's one of the places I see this the most. Almost everybody gets married with the idea of the man has the idea of this is the husband's role, this is the model, and this is what the wife's model is. And the wife has an idea of what a good husband is and what a good wife is. They may be right. They may be wrong. It doesn't really matter because that's their model. That's their perspective. Now, what happens is whenever we have an idea, whenever we have a perspective, whenever we have this way of viewing things, that controls us and determines how we relate to that situation even though how we're relating to it might not be real. Let me give you a good example of this. Y'all never forget one time there was a couple sitting in my office and the woman had always done well financially. She had always made money. She had always been successful at business and, um, you know, just had always done well for herself. Her fiance, I think he was probably 30 years old or thereabouts and had already filed bankruptcy at least once. He could not keep a job. I think he had tried to start businesses. They all failed. So she was an incredible money manager, an incredible business person. He was a horrible business person. So he comes into this marriage from the perspective that the man is supposed to handle the finances. Now, I would just love, and I ask him, you know, show me one scripture in the Bible that you base this on. Well, he, he couldn't show me a scripture in the Bible, but that was what his daddy taught him. That's what his daddy's daddy taught him. That's what he saw in the religious world where he went to church. Basically, it was a church where there was a, a macho kind of concept where men were in charge of everything. So he forces her to give up the control of the money management. And within less than a year, they are strapped financially. They're about to lose everything they've got and they end up in a divorce. And as far as he was concerned, he was absolutely right and she was absolutely wrong. And the problem was in his mind that she was a rebellious woman who would not surrender to his point of view or to his perspective or to his paradigm of what a good husband, and a good wife look like. I want to tell you something. There are more marriages blow up where people start out really loving each other, and they blow up because we go into those relationships with our idea of how it's supposed to be, what it's supposed to look like, and that is not reality, but we're trying to force it to become a reality that is never, ever going to work. Listen, don't go away. I'll be right back. 
My new series, Paradigms, Perspective, and the Glory of God, is designed to do just what it sounds like. I want you to see, to perceive, and to experience the glory of God, the reality of God, the splendor of God, the greatness of God, the power of God in every single area of your life. And I want to tell you something. When you can see God's reality, you can believe God's reality. And when you believe God's reality, you will experience in every part of your life. You definitely want this series. As I'm sure you're seeing by now, paradigms and perspectives also get into this arena of opinions. You see, your opinions form your perspective. Your opinions form your worldview. And those opinions, who knows where they came from? You know, Jesus made an interesting statement one time in Mark 7, 13. He says, through your traditions, you make the word of God of no effect. Now, the amazing thing is most believers would consider themselves incredibly dedicated to the Word of God. But the truth is, sometimes we're more dedicated to our cultural interpretation of the Word of God than we actually are to the Word of God. And we'll fight over our interpretation of the Word of God more than we will embrace His Word and let the Holy Spirit teach us and discover reality. You know, People walk into churches based on their upbringing, based on their culture, and they have an idea of what church should be. Y'all never forget one time I had started a new church, and it was in a, a rural area, and man, it, there was just such an incredibly sweet spirit in this little church. Worship was phenomenal, and uh, you know, we were doing evangelism, we were reaching people, you know, at altar ministry, things happened, you know, people received help. It was just really a very healthy and incredible little church. I'll never forget one time this couple showed up and they had a Pentecostal background. I'm not trying to pick on Pentecostals here or point out the flaws of Pentecostal. I'm just saying that's their background. So from their perspective, if you went into church and the Holy Spirit was moving, then there would be all of these wild, crazy, out-of-the-box things that would happen. And when she would get excited, like, you know, and felt like the Holy Spirit was moving on her, it looked like she was vibrating. She would start clicking her heels on the floor and literally just vibrating all over the floor. And you know something? I'm not against any of that stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But our problem is we take our experiences with God, and we turn them into law. We turn them into ways to judge other people because that becomes our model, our paradigm of what spirituality is. And I'll never forget, man, I mean, we had such a sweet environment in that church. And before long, I started noticing that people were getting discontent. Well, what happened was she was going around to all these new believers and said, what's wrong here? What's wrong here? The Spirit isn't moving here. Well, in reality... What she meant was the Spirit's not moving the way I want Him to move. The Spirit's not moving in line with my opinion and my perspective of what it looks like when the Spirit of God is moving. And, you know, we'll do that. And in her case, she alienated herself from a lot of people. She made a lot of enemies. She hurt some people. She caused discontent in the church. And that wasn't her intention. But the problem was she could not see beyond her own determination of what it should look like when God moves in a situation. You know, it's an interesting thing with altar calls. And years gone by, in my early years of ministry, you know, I did altar ministry just the way it was modeled to me. 
And, you know, I'd lay hands on people and take time praying for people. And an altar call could last, you know, easily 30 minutes if you were ministered to a lot of people. So when I started going overseas and doing crusades overseas, I was dealing with, with several thousand people at an altar call. So I stopped praying for people one-on-one, started praying for people in mass or in groups, and had phenomenal miracles, had every kind of miracle you could imagine that would take place. So... You know, I kind of got a reputation for getting people healed and miraculous things happening in my ministry. So for years, we were the church that people snuck off to when they needed to get healed or when they needed to get a miracle. And I began to see some real unhealthy codependent patterns where people thought they needed me to lay hands on them for God to work in their life. And so I wasn't interested in having, a, you know, a codependent ministry. I wasn't interested in getting people, you know, dependent on me. So I'll never forget I made this decision that, you know, if I saw all these kinds of miracles overseas, ministering to people in group, it should be able to happen the same way here in the United States. And then that way, I don't become the center of attention. I don't become the focus. And so I just started praying for people in mass. And, you know, we got testimonies all the time of people getting healed, of you know, phenomenal things happened in our services, but we weren't really just glorifying it and we weren't glorifying the altar call. And many of the people that had a real religious background just could not cope with it and started to say, I remember one guy said, well, nobody's got a heal under Jim's ministry in 20 years. And I remember thinking, you know something? We've had deaf ears open here in our services. We've had people with life-threatening diseases get healed. We've had every kind of healing and miracle that I've ever seen anywhere in the world happening on a regular basis, it just wasn't happening the way people wanted it to happen. Now, I want to tell you something. The Jewish community, they missed, they failed to recognize when the Messiah came the first time because it didn't happen the way they wanted it to happen. And right now, God is always trying to move in your life. God's always trying to heal you. God is always trying to solve whatever situation you're facing. Uh, but the problem is we usually have some idea of what we think it should look like, of how we think it should happen, of how it's supposed to feel. And the real truth is, it's like we're pushing God out of the way, saying, look, look, get out of the way. I'm looking for God, but we're pushing God out of the way. And instead of seeing and perceiving when he moves, we look past it and we miss the event. And then we think that God is not moving because we have decided how it's supposed to look, how it's supposed to feel. You know, I'm supposed to have somebody lay hands on me. I'm supposed to fall down or whatever it is that you think is supposed to I'm supposed to have a warm feeling or whatever. And the, the real truth is God's always trying to heal you. God's always trying to deliver you. God's always trying to resolve your situation. Now, when you begin to look at it from a scriptural point of view, you realize that, and you'll see this, we're going to look at the scripture in this in just a minute. You'll see that your perspective is based on your position. Now, this is easy to understand geographically, and I think I've used this example before, but if you were standing on this platform, and let's say that we had, you know, some decorative plants on this platform, and we got a big tree, you know, a big, one of these plastic trees standing up here to make it look good, and so you're looking out across the audience over there, and someone is trying to signal you about something. And the problem is, because you're standing behind this tree, you're looking out there and you really can't see. You can't see what they're trying to communicate with you. You don't even know that anybody's trying to communicate with you. And the reason you can't is because of your position, where you're standing 
when you look. Now, that tree represents your opinion. And you see, the thing that's between us and God's reality is our opinion. The thing that's between us and God's reality is the perspective that we have developed based on where we're standing. And what we don't realize is this, is that when we look, our blindness that keeps us from seeing what God is trying to do, that keeps us from seeing what God wants to do, is our opinion. It's just blinding us to something that God is already trying to give us. Now, in the book of Luke, it's so interesting. Someone came to Jesus one time and they said, Lord, what do I need to do in order to inherit eternal life? Now, the word for eternal life is the quality of life possessed by the one who gives it. So this person is saying, what do I need to do to have this quality of life that God's really offering? And when Jesus answered this question, and man, I'll never forget the first time I saw this, and this was a life-changing time for me. Jesus said, what does the scripture say, and how do you read it? You know what? And I think that's in Luke 10, 25. What does the scripture say and how do you read it? That is so incredibly powerful because most of us would just ask a person, what does the Bible say? And really in counseling and personal ministry, and you know, I've done years and years of counseling personal ministry. You know, we had a counseling center in one of the churches I started years ago. We had a substance abuse and counseling center here for adults, for teens. We had marriage counseling. We had all kinds of counseling personal ministry programs. And almost every situation that I've ever dealt with where people were not able to take hold of the truth, if they were believers, they were reading their Bible, the problem was... They were reading their Bible, but they were interjecting their opinion into the Bible. And so rather than just taking the Bible for what it says, they interpreted the Bible in a way to support a previously determined position. Now, whenever Jesus asked this man, you know, what does the Bible say and how do you read it? The man quoted the scripture, you know, from the Old Testament that said, you know, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart. In verse 26, he says, written in the law. What's written in the law? How do you read it? So he says, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And, you know, Jesus said, well, that's great. You know, if you do this, you're going to experience this quality of life that you're asking me about. But the man said, well, what else do I lack? Which is kind of interesting because when somebody knows what the scripture says, but they still feel a sense of lack, then the real truth is the way they're interpreting that scripture is not based on God's word. And so Jesus put forth a parable, or actually they began to talk about, you know, loving your neighbor as yourself. And he said, well, wait a minute, I got to ask you a question here. Who is my neighbor? I want you to understand something. This guy already had his mind made up of how he wanted to approach God, how he wanted to see his circumstances, how he wanted to interpret the scripture. And because he already knew what he wanted, he knew what he wanted it to say, he knew what he wanted it to look like, then even when Jesus himself quoted the scripture to him, he could not see it for what it really is. I want to tell you something. That's the boat that we're all in. And we've all got to move past our opinion because it is our opinion that is limiting us more 
than anything else. Don't go away. I'll be right back with the mentoring moment. Have you ever just felt like you couldn't see the truth? I've had people say that to me so many times. I just can't see it. Well, I'll tell you something. In this new series, Paradigms, Perspectives, and the Glory of God, your eyes are going to open and you're going to discover how to always see what God's Word means and says. If these messages are helping you and you want to help other people, there's something you can do that is so simple and painless. All you've got to do is like this video, and immediately that will cause more people to see it all over the world. You can be an Internet evangelist with me, and you can cause other people to see and hear these messages that are helping you so much. As a matter of fact, be sure and subscribe to this broadcast so that you'll get it every week so that you'll always know what's going on and so that other people will see this and that helps us touch other people's lives. Listen, this year I got a lot of conferences lined up. We're going to have a lot of great things happen so be sure and be watching because we'll be announcing starting in January meetings that are coming up that we're doing in Canada, that we're doing in the U.S. and this year is going to be an incredible year of outreach for us and if you want to come to one of these meetings, be sure and keep up with it. And you know what? If you have our mobile app, you'll always know where I am, what meetings are going on, and you can be sure and be there. You know, I'll never forget a pastor came to my house one time and said, Jim, I need your help. He said, People are just devastating and destroying my son's life, just slandering him and talking bad about him. They're destroying his life and his ministry. He said, I know you faced a lot of persecution. He says, what's your secret to the fact that you keep going? What is your secret to the fact that you always make it and you always seem to stay up? And I said, you know, there's not a real secret to it. I said, Jesus said this. He said, love those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who despitefully use you. I said, you know, when I hear about people slandering me or talking bad about me or attacking me. That's exactly what I do. There isn't anything else to do. You see, we read scriptures like that, and we're just like that lawyer that came to Jesus. And we say, well, isn't there an exception to this? I mean, isn't there some way for me to not have to do this? You know something? You don't have to. But the point is, God's Word is a prescription for how we can see and experience life to its fullest, how we can be witnesses to the glory of God in our lives and the lives of others. It's real simple. Believe the Word. It always works. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.